Want convenient banking features like mobile check deposit? Whitney Bank's mobile app has you covered. Start by opening your checking account online at HancockWhitney.com. Then download the app to bank anytime, anywhere. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's a pretty well-accepted fact that here in New Orleans, we like to talk more than people in most other places. But even in cities where people don't talk to every stranger on the street, there is what you might call a default conversation, the subject that everybody has something to say about. In Los Angeles, people talk about traffic. In London, it's the weather. Here in New Orleans, one of the default conversations is groceries. Almost anybody you meet is able and happy to discuss the boiled shrimp at Rouse's, the catfish at Robert's, and if you get the right person, you can also relive the heyday of Schwegman's. Travel 24 miles across the lake, and you can get into a whole other grocery conversation. This one will include the name Aquistapace. The Aquistapace family has been in the grocery business for 150 years. Yes, 150, starting out in New Orleans and since 1963 in Covington and in Mandeville. If you've never been in an Aquistapace store, it's not just a supermarket. Let's start with the facts. In 2016, they rang up $10 million in alcohol sales, and they have over 600 cheeses. The current co-owner of Aquistapace is Adam Aquistapace. Adam, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Here in New Orleans, we're all so big on congregating. We get together at parades, festivals, restaurants, and music clubs. And in the last few years, we've been able to add craft brewery tap rooms uh, to that list. One of the latest additions is Urban South Brewery, which opened in 2016. As well as brewing beer, Urban South bills its tap room as kid-friendly. So if you want to grab a craft beer and let your eight-year-old drive home, Urban South Brewery might be the spot you're looking for. The founder and president of the brewery is Jacob Landry. Jacob, welcome out to lunch. Hey, thanks for having me, Peter. Now, Adam, I'll start with you. Aquistapace is a business that's both traditional and modern at the same time. It's traditional in the sense that it's like an old-fashioned general store where the storekeeper's personal taste creates an inventory of quirky stuff. For example, you'll go to a distillery like Jack Daniels and bring back a single barrel of a blend you like yourself. On the other hand, you have one of only a handful of accredited cheese specialists in the world on your staff, which is the kind of thing you'd expect to hear about in a hipster New York delicatessen rather than a store in Covington, Louisiana. Do you have some sort of thought-through, sophisticated business model that you run Quistapace by? Are you basing your inventory on market research? Or are you just enjoying yourself and having fun stocking and selling what interests you? It's a little bit of all of those. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot, there's I mean, a lot of products that we bring in that we find that we find interesting. You know, we need to know what 
what what's selling in the market and you know, in our case, you know, if you know, you mentioned the cheese, the cheese side. My brother is the cheese buyer. Oh, okay. I was wondering what you yeah. got him. Yeah. So my brother is a is a certified cheese professional, and so when he got his, his designation, there was about 250 of them in North America. Whoa. So it's like, so in the wine world, we call those, you know, master sommeliers, but in the cheese world, it's, it's not as glorious, but they call it cheese professional. He studied oh, really? in France, and there must be a French word for that. It's something uh, fromage, yeah, right? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> But um, from us. so so the thing is, what we, so what we've tried to do is we try to educate ourselves about certain categories. I did the wine and spirit side, and so I carry in our store in like in Covington. I I got about sixty three hundred different wines on the shelf, and Whoa. you know, you know, twenty two, twenty three hundred different spirits and nine or so beers. So we 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 stock around ten thousand items just in our wine and spirit side. You know what I have to ask you about is you've only been in the alcohol side uh, for about 20 years. I mean, uh, w was that a, <coughs> a big family meeting when that yeah, occurred? Yeah, so, so, so um, my, my dad went to, went to California and came back and decided to change some things in our store, but that's not where it really started. So my grandfather, Charles Aquistapace, was one of the original partners in Schwegman's, and yeah. he, was the, right. uh, uh, he was the head of wine and spirit and beer buying for Schwegman's. This makes sense because, yeah. you know, Schwegman's, I know you know this, but it was yeah. way ahead of its time. Yes. I remember I first time I went to one of those stores, I was told I could drink a beer while I was shopping. I think I moved here for that reason. It was, uh, it was uh, just terrific. Now, Jacob, you're probably the newest entry into the New Orleans craft beer market. Opening a brewery isn't cheap, and it's not easy to brew good beer, to say nothing of marketing it. When you looked at the New Orleans market before making the commitment on an SBA loan and taking money from friends and family to sink into this, did you think there was a specific hole in the beer market that needed filling, or did you think there's a bigger thirst for craft beer than the existing breweries can satisfy? I thought there was uh, definitely both. Uh, when, when we started putting the plan together, there was only one craft brewery uh, in New Orleans. Uh, Nola Brewery opened, I think they've, they've been going about eight years, and before that there was nobody since Dixie closed its doors. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it was kind of twofold. The people in Louisiana and in New Orleans are evolving pretty quickly to uh, really trade up from the kind of what, what I consider tasteless macro beers to much better tasting. And we're a little late to the game, right? Yeah, I mean, we're absolutely late to the game. I mean, craft beer nationally, you go to a place like Portland, Oregon, and craft beer has 40 to 50% market share. Whoa. And uh, in Louisiana, it's about 6%. And what, what is that about what it is nationally? or n No, nationally, it's about, uh, we're, we're right at about 12%. Uh, in terms of uh, the dollar share of craft beer in the overall beer market. Because I know the big boys are afraid. Yeah, well, they're, they're afraid. They're also getting in the game. They're buying up craft breweries, and uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to become more competitive because of that. Jay, why a tap room? Uh, that you know, seems like kind of an add-on. How'd you decide to spend the money for that? Yeah, uh, today, if you're going to open a brewery, that's really critical because uh, you know, the whole local food movement has grown because people want to feel a connection to the food and to the drink that they're buying. And the tap room is the absolute best way for someone to experience our product. Because they can come in, they can see the tanks, they can see the stainless uh, against the old brick, and uh, they can really, they can taste the widest variety of beer that we make. Because we do some, you know, some different takes on our core beers in our tap room that you can't get anywhere else. And so for us, 90% of our volume is through distribution, through stores like Adams, where people are buying beer to take home or at a bar where they're buying it to drink. But uh, the tap room is a, is a really big part of telling our story. You know what I loved about your story, Jacob, is that you originally hated beer. 
Yeah. This is an <laughs> amazing turnaround. Yeah. Actually, just the opposite is they would have an AA, but uh, <laughs> that was just a what was going on there? When did you change your mind? Yeah, well, my dad drank, uh, you know, Milwaukee's best and natural light. And so growing up, just I thought it was disgusting. <laughs> and I uh, got the opportunity to go to France uh, for a year in college and then uh, tasted great European beer, Belgian beer, German beer for the first time. And it really blew my mind. I didn't know beer could taste like that. So that's what really set me on the path to exploring now, Adam, what is it you actually do for most of the day? Mm. <laughs> you can make stuff up because yeah, you're, you're trying to get a raise or something. I need to. Um, <laughs> well, we just we opened up our new store in Mandeville in, uh, in November. So I've been spending a lot of time over there. And so my, you know, you know I, I guess I oversee the operations for the, for the, for the, for the stores. Um, you know, it's not a you know, it's not a one-man show. I mean, we've right. got you know, we're here's you know, your brother overlooking the cheese. My brother spends my so so my brother is a um, he's a he's a commercial contractor. He's a cheese professional. He's a licensed florist. So we do. Oh so, wow. So we, so we so there's a lot of things that we just try to we we learn ourselves and try to figure out how to do. And so, um, you know, my my time is more spent doing you know general management and data analysis and trying to figure out the system because the system's evolving and being in the in the grocery world you know the grocery business is, has changed a lot I said well I say changed the the competition has competition has changed um, Let's see how has it changed you have um, you've got at the, at the low end you've got Walmart in the business now I guess at the high end you've got uh, you know whole food yeah how'd you find your way? So what we try to do is we, we you know we've tried to find niches. So we were always known to be in the meat business, and so you know we've got real live butchers that cut meat on premise in our Covington location. Our Mandeville location is not a supermarket. We are wine, spirits, meat beer, dead, cheese. But the, but yeah. So so in, in and so in our Covington store, we may have you know in between five and nine people back there in the meat department. Um, so we do a lot of a lot of business, but we have a really robust meat program. And that business, and that business is changing. A lot of things are moving to prepackaged meat, and that's really being pushed hard by the chains because, in you know, you know, the meat, you know, some of the most well-paid and prestigious positions in supermarkets traditionally were the were the butchers. Um, so the chains had mostly had been moving away from that into prepackaged products, um, and so that has that will continue to be a niche, and as it becomes more and more difficult for for retailers and grocery stores to cut whole, you know, uh, whole, do whole cuts and in, in, right. in the in the into so know, in the to grind meat. The yeah. back of the store looks like rocky and it is. Well, you know, well, there's no more hanging beef. So okay, beef right. comes in boxed up, and there's most of it's controlled by a few companies. And as that stuff comes in, we'll break it. We'll break it apart. And we'll process it. And you know, but the thing is, is for us, you know, our one of our niches is that we have, you know, we have great prices because we have a good we have a good efficient program. Um, and that we, you know, you got to have ground meat. So that's the th that's the thing. It's the grain. It's 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 having good fresh ground meat all the time. And Jacob, you what about you and your side? Uh, are you the brewer? Or are you the business guy? Or I'm not the brewer. I will not take credit for that. I was a home brewer, and uh, I made some uh, very mediocre beer. <laughs> uh, and so I, I knew right off the bat we got we had to get someone in there who knew what he was doing. Uh, there's really three of us who form the the core uh, founding team, and um, yeah, I, I did all the initial groundwork and still do most of sort of the business side and the finance of it. Uh, but uh, Kyle Hewling is another critical part of the team, and he 
He uh, he worked for a distributor for 10 years, so he's got some great market experience and does a lot of our our marketing and our, our market strategy. And then Wes Osier is our brewmaster, and he's he's the guy with all the the real experience brewing, and he knows what he's doing back there. Uh, so I don't want to take any credit from either of those guys. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with craft beer brewer Jacob Landry from Urban South Brewery and Adam Aquistapace from Aquistapace's grocery stores in Mandeville and Covington. First of all, as a kid, Adam, did you work in the stores? I've always worked in the store. Yeah, we grew up in there and we started bagging groceries and, and running a running a checkout and then moving into pretty much worked in all all aspects of the store. So when you grow up in it, you know, it's just what you... And you always knew at some point you It's were. just what you do. Well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know that I was going to be in... I mean, nope. I, I guess I grew up in the grocery business, but I mean, I came this close to changing my major to geology as a freshman at LSU. And what was it? And uh, your it, major, it, it, I, it was general business. Okay, so that and I out. remember talking to my dad and telling him that I think I'll, I think I'm going to change it to geology. And he's, you know, he was pretty supportive. Oh, really, and, um, I thought this was going to go the other way. No, you know, yeah, well, this is this is the thing, and this is what has really helped myself and my brother is, um, you know, my dad has, you know, he grew up in a grocery store, like literally grew up in a grocery store as well, and my grandparents opened up in Covington in '63, and. Uh, and so he he looked he looked at us as you know education was the key to understanding and to and to be able and to be able to growth and we, we we were never forced into the store well if long, as long as as long as he was paying for us to do something then you worked at you worked at the store <laughs> and Adam, when were you in New Orleans uh, is that how some people would remember you where and where was that store so so it will well so my my grandmother was born on top of a grocery store on, oh. on Piedy and Burgundy Enter streets. music that's so great yeah, on Piedy and Burgundy streets and uh, you know in the Bywater and so um, they lived up they lived upstairs it wasn't called it wasn't called Equistapaces um, and so my grandmother was a Schwegman so oh, her name wow, her, this is a so great her, story so, so her name was Odile Schwegman and so her brother uh, was uh, John Schweigman, and uh. and so she took she so her, their their mother died when they were young, and so she took care of the house upstairs, and her brothers ran the grocery store downstairs. Now, Jake, I got to ask you. You, I assume, in college, like so many men, were a beer major. <laughs> Is that? Uh, <laughs> you know, after that France experience, I I did dabble a little bit in <laughs> uh, beer at LSU. <laughs> What was your major? What were you planning to do? I actually I studied animal science and mass communication, so I, I planned I'm to trying to think the to teach chickens to talk. <laughs> that's essentially uh, what I was going for. But uh, that was so yeah. I, oh, I, if you came so <laughs> close too, I really uh, I, I tried. I remember Chicken Run, the movie, and I thought could make a career out of it you know, <laughs> as much okay. as I tried. Okay, <laughs> Jacob, Adam, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You got to the end of a long day, and you're about to finally take it easy when the phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. Normally, he only calls when he's having a crawfish boil and wants you to bring some drinks. But this time, the conversation's a little different. Jacob, your brother-in-law has a no-brainer idea for making you the biggest craft brewery in America. There's nobody who likes to drink beer more than frat boys. There's plenty of them, and let's face it, they've got plenty of money. If you have a specialty beer with a fraternity label, these guys would buy as many kegs as you could make. He doesn't know why nobody's already doing it, but if you could bankroll him, he's prepared to quit looking for a real job right now and go out on the road selling this idea to frat boys. What do you say? Is this a great beer marketing idea or what? <laughs> 
Hey, I won't give anything a try. We uh, we actually have done some private label stuff for some Mardi Gras crews, and uh, so I think it's a it's an idea worth uh, giving a shot. It's pr it's pretty low investment to to try it out. We've had the guy on the show from Chapter Spot that organizes all of yeah. the things. You could you could <laughs> come in right there. That'd be terrific. Adam, your brother-in-law has a great idea for partnering up with somebody like Jacob Landry from Urban South Brewery, as well as traveling all over to bring back specialty drinks to your store. What if Aquistapace had its own brewery? All you have to do is put up a new building on site and get Jacob to move his operation there, a combined brewery tap room where people can meet and socialize and get their groceries. Could it get any more New Orleans? What do you think? Is your brother-in-law onto something? Let's do it. Okay. I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a brilliant, really, it is a brilliant idea. That but is. But it's, it's illegal. But oh, it's all, oh, yeah. yeah. <coughs> so why is it illegal? Well, you know, the, the liquor laws are, uh, are very interesting. And, uh, <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to leave it at that. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it, so, so, there, so after Prohibition, the, the, you know, the, the states got to control you know, with the like type of laws that they have. So, so I cannot be, I, uh, since I have a retail license, I cannot be a manufacturer or a distributor. Whereas law. Jacob can be a manufacturer and but not uh, but he distributor. Can't be, he, he can't be a distributor or a retailer. Or a retailer. But he can be what the tap room is. I can only sell m what I make on site. Wow. So he has to sell his beer by law to somebody else. And he and they and I have to buy it from that person. And that person owns his brand. Ah. But I like the way you made the snap decision right off the bat. Let's just do it. Do it is, is that kind of your management style? Uh it it depends. <laughs> 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 it depends. You know, it does exist, yeah. though. There's a Whole Foods in Houston with yeah. a brewery on site. Yep. Because what's unique about the alcohol laws, it's one of the few areas of commerce where the federal government has said, you know what, I don't really want much to do with this. You guys decide so how to regulate law? it. So it's sta every state, state has a different yeah. alcohol law. Yeah. It's, wow. very, it's very challenging. It's especially confusing. Espe well, it's especially to figure out business models. Because yeah. So as I travel around and go to different markets, I look and try to f I try to see what type of you know you you know you never have to invent the wheel because someone else has already done some version of it. So so as I travel around, I look at different places and different people uh, doing on, on the retail side and try to get ideas. The the dynamic of each state is different, so I have to understand what the dynamics of the liquor laws are because there's a lot of models that that don't work here because there's laws that prevent certain amounts of competition. But in but on the flip side, you know, Louisiana is a very competitive market on the retail side. So, I mean, you can buy what makes Louisiana unique is you can buy liquor, wine and beer just about anywhere. Yes. And there's no and there's and there's no limits on the amount of liquor licenses there are, which is quite unique because a lot of markets around the country have have caps on licenses. Like you can't just go open up a wine shop in Florida. You, you just like can't do it. You got to buy. You have to buy someone's license, or you, or, you, or goes to a lottery, to because they, so they ration they ration the license. Is that what's made our state so strong? It may be. Uh, it's made us more thirsty. It's made us more thirsty. <laughs> but, but to figure <laughs> out, so you look and you see some of these big box models in some of these other markets, and those, and you can only bring in certain aspects of those businesses because you have to think that that. You know, in certain markets, like in Texas, there's a Class B license. So if you, you have to, if, so if you're a bar or restaurant, you have to go buy it from a Class B license. You can't even buy it from the distributor. So it's like it's technically four tiers. So the retailer has a much stronger lobby in a state like Texas. 
I will tell you, your beer lobby is pretty strong. I worked at the Capitol, and they give the greatest parties. Well, it's not my beer lobby. Okay, it's not your beer lobby. It's Jacob's beer lobby. It's not his either. It's the distributor's beer lobby. Okay. I was just getting free beer. I really did not look into detail how that worked. I approached one of my legislators a few years ago about changing the law, and he said, look, get the beer league on board. That's what the distributor lobby is called. They throw every party in Baton Rouge, and they never ask for anything. And so uh, that's you know, that's the key to the key to you know, <laughs> making the law more progressive is get the the beer lot. Now, Jacob, I got to ask you this: If um, it's so easy to open, you know, beer distribution facilities, uh, how do you market? I mean, it's not like you. How could you get them all? We so as far as uh, marketing our brand, I mean, it's all done organically. We. We're really, we started with not nearly enough money to really <laughs> open the way we did, and uh, it's a hustle. And thankfully, the consumer that's buying craft beer is really open to that. So we reach them primarily through social media, through some direct newsletter contact, uh, but we, we don't pay for any advertising, uh, and we really can't at this point. Uh, and, and thankfully, that's worked for us. Well, I personally am I'm going to be telling everybody about Holy Rollers. Yeah. Here, so they, yeah. <laughs> on the one hand, there's nothing more basic and simple than food and drink. On the other hand, as humans and New Orleanians, humans especially, we seem to have an unlimited capacity for coming up with different ways of buying food and consuming drinks. Adam, you're part of the oldest food and drink purveyors in New Orleans and the North Shore. Jacob, you're one of the newest drink options in town. You're both part of a long tradition, and you're both making unique contributions to it. It's been great to meet you, and thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank, thank you, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Adam Aquistapace, the co-owner of Aquistapaces, and Jacob Landry, founder and president of Urban South Brewery. You can find out more about Adam's stores and Jacob's beers by following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music in Out to Lunch. Mitch's music is available wherever great jazz is sold, streamed, or stolen. And at MitchellForeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, as well as some pictures of beer, that's going to be great. You can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp. Want convenient banking features like mobile check deposit? Whitney Bank's mobile app has you covered. Start by opening your checking account online at HancockWhitney.com. Then download the app to bank anytime, anywhere. Member FDIC.